Welcome. This is the Lady Leadership Podcast. Sam's goal is clear, helping as many women as she can meet their full potential in business and in life. Hi, this is Sam McIntyre, and in this season of the Lady Leadership Podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about how to get the most out of your career, whether you have your own business, whether you work in corporate, or whether you're just starting out, maybe you're finishing uni. So me and I look forward to sharing all my tips and hints on how to fast track your career. Hi everyone and welcome to the Lady Leadership Podcast. Really excited to have today on the show Amalia Chilianis <laughs> and Thank I you. did actually practice that pronunciation. Uh, welcome. Thank you Sam, nice to be here. Now, Amalia is a career and capability development expert. She's a coach, consultant, speaker, and um, she's got uh, 25 years' experience in um, large, complex, global and national organisations, some big names, and she's recently written a new book, which is Worker Holistic. Yes, that's right. Tell tell me, let's, let's dig into it. Tell me about the book first. Let's get into that. Well, I was motivated to write the book because I I worked for General Motors Holden with the express purpose of supporting the closure of manufacturing and helping 3,000 workers secure gainful employment into an industry which no longer existed. So they really had to make a significant career change and we had the best success rates that we can find anywhere else. So, you know, more than 90% participated uh, and almost all of those secured gainful employment. And it required a real significant change. And I wanted to understand why was that program so successful? And I went back and I interviewed the managing director and I interviewed a lot of the professionals. And, And what I found is, you know, we're all very good at working the process, but in actual fact, what made a really successful change for people was when the change really worked well with what else was important in their life. You know, when they made decisions based on work, not only for themselves, but for their family. When they took better care of their health, they performed better. And so I found these, even though the stories were all really different of where people went and what they did and how they went about it, I found some really consistent themes in what made the difference for people. Yeah. And so I really wanted to tell their story in the hope that it would be helpful for other people in making a change. Mm. And did G, did GM Holden go into that saying, and because I, I find this really interesting and um, and this is a big reason I wanted to interview you because I'm really, I'm really kind of fascinated with those stories around the world where an underperforming team say has shifted into a performing team or, and so I'm really interested in, you know, the intent that GM Holden had. So obviously they had the intent that they wanted to help people find work above and beyond just, you know, kind of saying, see you later. Absolutely. It was a real shift. So it was a fundamental shift. If you can imagine the psyche of of GM, particularly being very US-centric, they have a very different approach uh, to letting people go. And uh, there's always been a long-held fear, I think, for many corporations that if we give people a lot of notice, they're going to do the wrong thing. In, you know, in their defence, you know, they had a very expensive manufacturing line. And if anyone 
wanted to cause any damage, it would be very costly. Yeah, um, Detr- and detrimental and, to the company, really. Correct, and also yeah. detrimental to other people's safety. So, yeah. you know, they had that first and foremost. But this pro- closure, because it was so public, it was such a political thing at the time, you know, mm. which actually what the politicians and the media probably didn't realise is it played out politically, you know, with Joe Hockey calling the company out and saying, you know, Holden, come clean, blah, blah, blah. But actually people were personally devastated by that because Mm. they had tried to do the right thing. So GM committed and supported from a a money and a permission perspective. Uh, They were absolutely very committed to people's well-being and health and wanted to make sure that people were safe. Uh, But other than that, they pretty much handed over the money to to me and and two of my colleagues and the three of us designed how the program would run and and that real holistic approach that that we took. And and we really pushed the boundaries. We got things done that people had never done before. So, for example... um, you know, career transition programs, corporates just, you know, it's really a tick-the-box exercise, right? They don't they don't pay attention if people participate. Mm. Um, but we we asked that we want to know where people are. We want to know that they're successful. You, we, you dug down. You dug that's down right. into a couple of layers, yeah. We did, and we made them be accountable for it as well, where they actually said to us, no company's ever asked us to do that before. And we also said, if you think someone is a red flag, if you think someone is struggling, and we need to take a bit more care with that person, we want to know. And so, you know, luckily for us that didn't happen too often, but we did take that extra amount of care just to make sure that that people were safe and well, even though, you know, technically they were no longer with the company. Yeah, right. I mean, what are some of the examples that people went on to do? Because 3,000 people is a big workforce and you would have had lots of lots of layers of lots capability of layers. and role and, um, yeah, and you would have had people on the shop floor. Absolutely, absolutely. From a a manufacturing perspective. Yeah, I mean, the the Adelaide plant being in in Elizabeth, I mean, Elizabeth has a very high unemployment rate and, you know, a real real challenge. But we had some great success stories with people going into, uh, say, aged care. Yeah, right. uh, and yeah. and things like that. We had we had a lot of people just simply doing really simple things like getting you know tick, ticket forklift licenses and right. you know, so construction you, you, licenses and, and we funded that. That was the big yeah. difference as well. We knew the industry was changing, and not only did we help them understand the job market and how to get another job we paid for money towards retraining. But again, the difference because of my, you know, my colleagues and my experience, people don't know what they should be going after. Let me give Mm. you an example. Mm. One person wanted funding for a web development course. And I'm like, oh, you're going into IT, are you? And he's going, no, I want to run a travel adventure business. And I'm like, well, do you know how to run a business? No. Well, you're probably better off doing a certificate in small business. Yeah. Because you can probably pay someone pretty cheaply to develop your website for you. But if your core business, you know, is running a business, then that's where we need to spend your training money. So initially people felt that we were being a little bit, um, you know, too hand-holding. But once they realised the value we could add in making sure their time and their money was spent in an area that would actually deliver real benefits to where they wanted to go, they, you know, they understood and got on board with it. So you really created a program then to you know, work with people. And, and so you gave them, you gave people a lot of time and said the, the 
location is going to be or the, the plant or the factory or the yeah. where um, not a warehouse, manufacturing plant is going to be closing down in X. Yeah. We're going to be then, so you're pretty clear about maybe the stages because it doesn't all just kind of close out on one day, I would have thought. Exactly. Uh, um, and then you worked with those people around, okay, here's, here's some money. We want to help you retrain. We're going to help you find a new role. Um, how can we do that for you? What are you interested in? What are you, yeah. Yeah. And, and we did a lot more, but, you know, we had the time, the permission, and we had the investment as well. So mm. we promoted job opportunities. You know, we, um, particularly from an Adelaide perspective, you know, they were very active in the Adelaide market saying we've got these amazing people, you know, and yeah. We, yeah. Brought, we brought jobs in. We also, what was really different in the change was we had a plan for everyone. So particularly, say, from a, you know, corporate head office perspective here in, in you know, in Port Melbourne, um, you know, we it was a staggered, reduced approach. So we worked with every person to try and go, well, when, you know, what's your preference? You know, because people could sort of see it through or some chose to, to leave a bit earlier. So yeah. a real difference in approach. Rather um, than just, you know, tapped on the shoulder on Friday and told, sorry, you're off. Exactly, pack pack a box and someone yeah. will escort you or, to the car. Or not that visibility of when you are going to be impacted as well. Yeah, and look, it didn't always work, but at no. least there was an open dialogue and mm. at least people felt like they had some say. You know, normally there's no say in these processes um, and normally there's no heads up that, it, that it's coming. And I think the difference is people ruminate. Uh, what, what, what really upsets me in the corporate world is that uh, you know, people are smart. You yeah, know, they well, see, they, they make it. stuff up. If, yeah. they're, if they're not told what's going on, they make stuff up because yeah. they're and they're focused on how does it impact me. Absolutely. And when yeah. you you know when you don't have that sense of of control or at least knowing, then it's a lot harder to deal with. And I think it was that sense of knowing and the ability to have a say that helped people get through what was a you know potentially a three year program. You know, it's hard yeah. to stay motivated for three years. It's hard to stay motivated for three years. And then I'm also sure that there, you know, there was redundancies there in, in that as well. And there was probably people with different lengths of service. So there was some money in it to sort of hang around as well until, you know, your time, I suppose. Yes. I mean, they, you know, they were very generous packages. There, there was some significant money. You know, the average tenure was 17 years, but a lot of people had been there, a lot had been there for 30 Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exciting. Well, I mean, yes. yeah, like exciting in terms of, you know, the ability to, to help people in that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, some of the stories that really resonate for me, for example, a young engineer who'd gotten into engineering because his dad was an engineer and his grandpa was an engineer, but actually he'd always just wanted to help people and he was really drawn to becoming a nurse and so you know he used the permission you know the okay I've got a bucket of money I've got money towards training I'm going to retrain and do what I'd actually always wanted to do but had kind of fallen into that and I think so many of us fall into things you yeah, know and yeah, yeah. um you know and then you know what I want people to avoid is 20 years later going how did I get here and what have I done with the last 20 years of my life you know yeah, what's my what's really my purpose? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's that's incredible. How did you then kind of 3000 people is a lot of people. How did you yeah. kind of stay connected to such a big do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, look, there were lots of lots of avenues, and it, look, it wasn't easy. There was certainly about ten percent who didn't want to hear from us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but because we'd obviously, you know, funded their their training, and we'd had, you know, we'd had ways of connecting with them, and as the program went on, we got more sophisticated. So there was an, an app for communication, a little bit, you know, not the beginning, but more yeah. towards the end, and you know, we had our own, you know, if we were paying for outplacement, part of that service was that the career piece was that they had to check in and report back to us, and for those that didn't take it up, you know, we would manage to connect to them. The one thing that I've never struck anywhere else, actually, and I've worked in a lot of companies, <laughs> uh, was there's a real passion for the brand. And I know a lot of companies say, you know, we're a real family, but there was a passion for the brand at Holden that I actually haven't witnessed or experienced anywhere else. And yeah. what was originally seen as a real negative in that I don't know anyone outside of Holden because everybody left They've ended up with this amazing network and they actually all still help each other. Yeah. So they all still, you know, now their network is like a big spider web where it wasn't before. And and many years on, many, you know, those that they're connected to, they still, oh, look, I've got a job going here. Is anyone interested? And so it's it's really, um, you know, there's been some real unexpected benefits from for people, which from what was a negative before really turned around because they all had to go through it together. Yeah, it. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, that's a that's a real advantage, and I can imagine. You know, at the start of this process, there would have been a lot of mistrust. There would have been so you, it would have been hard for people to say trust you or trust the process or trust your intent of what you're actually trying to do because this is not normally how you know organisations operate. Absolutely. So, look, at the beginning I put myself out in front of it and was prepared to be a bit of a punching bag because sometimes people just need to vent, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and you know, why, why should they trust me? You know, I've been hired in to do a job they don't know me. But we just committed as a team to doing what we said we would do and then we were lucky in that there were some really good leaders who were already doing the right thing. You know, yeah. they were already, it was funny that the, not the crisis, but the situation forced a change so the executive director of manufacturing really changed his personal interaction style you know he became a lot more visible and that was his own desire no one told him to do that but he became a lot more visible he walked the plant floor more regularly he he stopped and talked to people more to see how they were doing are they okay and and you could tell that it was you know his personal goal that everybody be looked after yeah and so um right. yeah. brought out a, a real he changed I think because of it in in a positive way yeah and I mean that's the leadership that you need in those sorts of situations isn't it really yeah absolutely. and I, I I've heard you know about um you know sort of kind of companies making people redundant and, and that type of thing and and there's there's something to like how people are treated on the way out um, yes yeah yeah, and look, we um, people were brand advocates working for the company, but the good thing is they they remained brand advocates and actually were even stronger advocates on the way out mm. because they were taken care of, um, and because you know what we said we did, we did. Yeah, and I mean Australia's really connected to Holden, isn't it? As a brand, it's kind of synonymous with you know. Uh, 
Australia in the the sort of 70s, 80s, that type Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. And and it's almost six degrees of separation. Like everybody you know has some sort of connection to Holden. Mm. I, I didn't even know that until after working there that, you know, my grandfather was a Greek immigrant and he was a tailor, you know, right. when, I, when I knew him. And then, my you know, after I started working there, my auntie said, oh, you know, your grandfather used to work on the line during the war. And I went, yeah, oh, right. okay, yeah. you know, and, and that was the thing, you know, Holden particularly during tough times actually supported a lot of Australians. So it was, um, you know, a, a really strong brand in that way yeah. and a strong part of Australia's history, I think. So tell me, so the book then has taken these learnings and you've, you've packaged it up so people can use this in their career when they're thinking about how they want to take their career forward or maybe they're, you know, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. So I use the the research from what I'd uncovered in the interviews and then I expanded it because, you know, automotive doesn't always feel relevant to everybody else. Mm. So I, I went and tested that with other people in other industries and different professions and, and still found the same sort of theme. So I've packaged the book up into three key sections. The first one is really about self and others and there's a lot of upfront work really checking in are you ready you know I've seen a lot of being you know in HR for so long I've seen a lot of people who throw themselves into the job market but there's certain things that are actually holding them back uh, and then you sort of got to address those things give, give me you. some give me some examples of those so um when people are forced into having to to make a move and they actually haven't reconciled that within yeah. themselves. They feel a like a bit of grieving, bit of lack of control or mm. potentially some negativity in how that happened, <laughs> yes. which because rightly so, they weren't treated well. But yeah. unfortunately as a potential new employer, if they haven't found a way to reconcile that or at least Understand. It comes out. It comes out. I'm it just. Out. I'm just thinking. That I'm thinking. One time, I moved on from a role. I hadn't reconciled with it. I went and interviewed with someone, and they actually said to me in the interview, "Gee, that last place sounded awful." And I thought, "Oh, I didn't get that job, obviously, because I was just. I was still jaded, really." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and under, and you're allowed to be. Yeah. But the problem is, from a new employer perspective, no, they don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing is, um, you know, obviously a lot of people are really motivated, but particularly if that last job has impacted their confidence, that's the other yeah. thing. Yeah, that's um, so and, true, isn't it? And yeah. a poor and a poor workplace experience can impact your confidence, even for the most capable people. And so, again, if you haven't checked that before you start putting yourself in the market, again, that comes through, even if you think it doesn't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so how do you work on these things? Is it a matter of time? Is it a matter of addressing it? Uh, is it a matter of, you know, doing some, doing some, I kind of talk to people sometimes about doing practice interviews, you know, maybe not every job you go for is going to be the, the next opportunity, but if you interview with a few, you kind of practice and are able to craft your story or sell yourself, you know, um, in a positive light or, or, or figure out a feasible type of story to tell about that situation as well. Like, because, but you'll often get asked, why have you moved on from where you were? Oh, absolutely. So and you don't want to say, well, let me, you know. You know <laughs> I've got a story for you. Of how terrible that company really is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's probably why 
a, a good, you know, almost the majority of the book is actually in that upfront preparation before you put yourself in that scenario. So there yep. is, I do, I have created some really simple practical activities to help people reflect on those sorts of things and hopefully address them or find, or, you know, sometimes it's just the knowing about it yeah. is, is, is really gets you halfway there. Yeah. And then, all of the activities sort of build on themselves and give you tips then how to then create that narrative or that story of how you position yourself better. Because I'm I'm all about being direct and honest, but there is certainly a way that you can explain scenarios that still paints you in a more positive light without being dishonest about it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Yeah. You can you can focus on what you've achieved in that at that at that place and what you what you did rather than how you felt when you left. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I really enjoyed blah blah blah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And then when people have and a, and a lot of the book is as well is really getting people to think more broadly. You know, a lot of people don't know what's out there. And let me give you an example. I spoke to a young a young girl who was a scientist. You know, she's in the lab and she's tired of working in the lab and she talked to me about what she likes doing and and I said and she loves communicating but writing about scientific things. And I said, "Well, have you had a look at being a technical writer?" She didn't know that job existed, but yeah. it actually does, you know, require all the things that she wants to be doing. And yeah. so it, it's really about people expanding their options about what might be next because I believe there are multiple ways and multiple avenues to find satisfying and meaningful work. Mm. There's often more than one way to get that. And I think you're right in terms of when you're in an organisation and particularly a big corporate, that it's very much about that corporate and about that that world and all the rest of it. When you When you leave that place you never hear anything about them again you know really unless you unless you still connect in with the people there or you read about them in the paper or whatever but but it's very encompassing when you're kind of in that environment and then say if you shift somewhere else completely different yes yeah yeah Yeah. and it's a great opportunity isn't it you know to to move on to somewhere new not only do you learn new things and make new connections and you know, and, and improve your confidence because you prove to yourself you can do it. But it, it is that opportunity to become who you want to become, you know, you're yeah. not necessarily packaged in that box that you were in before, which yeah. unfortunately is human nature. I always say to people, like, you know, when, you, when you're when you in a role, what, what do you want to get out of it? You know, rather than you're just there providing a service to the organisation, what are you wanting to learn? What are you wanting to get out of it? What are your goals? Um, and then how are you going to kind of take that forward? Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, what, what you've suggested there gives people that control, you know, rather yeah. than I think people too often take the approach of just being the ship in the wind, you know, and yeah, being, and, yeah. and bobbed around. But then you're at what they want you to do. And yeah. unless you're really clear of what you want, and, and there's still a way to do a win-win, you know, that the company Absolutely. gets what they want, but you yeah. also get out of you're- what you want. You're focused on what you want. And then second to that, I say, what will you be allowed to achieve? You know, there'll be a point perhaps when you kind of rub up against, you know, the the constraints of that organisation. And so, you know, a lot of places say they're transformative and they're innovative and, the you know, but the minute you try to do something like that, you'll get blocked. Um, and so, yeah, you want to be clear on what you want to do there and then what you'll be allowed to do as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that a lot of people 
don't realise, you know, they and I, you know, I am a, I suppose, a victim of naive optimism as well, but I've worked too long to know that if you don't beat the system, right, the house wins all the time. Yes. That's how the, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. the casinos are, you know, so you need to be quite realistic as an individual what, you know, and there will be change that you can affect, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there's but certainly. how much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sounds like we've both knocked up against that one. <laughs> <laughs> When you found out that you might have pushed it a little further than you should have. <laughs> yes, I've been told to get back in my box many times. Yeah, man, I haven't realised that I've been being told to get back in my box. <laughs> I've kept going. <laughs> Too funny. Um, so the first bit is all around, you know, understanding yourself, understanding, you know, moving through the, the sort of where you're at. Tell yes. me, yeah. Tell me yeah. about the sort of next couple of phases. Then. The next couple of phases is, is then the practicalities of it. So when you've understood yourself and I've got some really practical activities, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier I'm a capability expert. So as well as the strengths, I can help people really unpack more of those technical and people skills and the knowledge. And it's the combination of those that really give people the best chance to, to transfer into something new. Then because you've Un, you've identified all of those things. I then help you bring it together with navigating the job market. A great, you know, and really practical, you know, a, a resume template. There's tons of them out there. Everybody thinks they're a resume template expert. I've been in the game 25 years, and most of the resumes are terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, this, there's one. There's multiples of others, but I certainly give lots of tips. The resume, the the cover letter, the interview, and then negotiating, uh, and then. The last chapter is ordinary people who have gone on to and, you know, successfully changed and just so, so it's inspirational stories from others but but real people, you know, people yeah. that, that we can we can relate to. I don't know, it's a little probably a little bias of mine knowing that I come from peasant stock that I can't, I can't relate. I, you know, I, I find them admirable but, you know, and I know Pro or Michelle Obama or whoever, I can't, that's not, you know, I can't relate to that but other people like me who have made successful change that that's more relatable so I yeah, I've, I've interviewed a few people you know someone who was a former ballet dancer and and she's you know transformed her her career into play therapy and he's hoping to use dance and play therapy and yeah and, and a whole range of other people so that you know hopefully people can find some inspiration in their in their stories it and is, then yeah it is finding that inspiration for you finding that purpose for you and um yeah, I've seen I've seen some people in my career who have, you know, uh, say an organisation bought another organisation and they haven't been sort of too happy with that change. But then they've, you know, a couple of years down the track, they've then found a new purpose and a new inspiration, and they're a changed person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Awesome, um, Amalia. How how is it best for people to get in contact with you? The best way to get in contact me, with me is is my website. So mm-hmm. it's it's Amalia Chiliano. I, I just pronounced your name wrong. No, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. I knew I was going to. No, it's it's not an it's not an easy one, and and I realised it's it's not that easy. It's not that easy to find either. But uh, or else the the book Workaholistic is also available on all of the online retailers. So Amazon, Booktopia, Barnes and Noble, um, but on my website. 
there's a whole page of links. Yeah, love it. And um, uh, I just I think this has been a delightful chat and, you know, great work at Holden and, um, I, you know, I think fundamentally it's just being interested and trying to help people and hoping for a great outcome for them really. Yeah, exactly. And that was the motivation for the book. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't have control of who buys it, but as long as it helps some people and I just wanted to put down what I'd known and what I've learnt and in the hope that it, it helps people, you know, get more out of their work. You know, we spend so much time there. And so yeah. if, it, if it's helpful, then I've achieved what I, I wanted to achieve. Yeah, beautiful. And, look, that's the premise of this podcast. Uh, the premise of this podcast is to help people with their careers. So, yeah, if you're a bit stuck in your career, um, give uh, – I can't um, – Amalia. 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 I needed to I needed to write it down. Uh, give Amalia a call and um, yeah, get her to give you a little bit of hand with um, with how you move forward in your career. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Mm-hmm.